0: Two, one, clap! Wow, James, that was a powerful clap. Yeah,
1: James got the clap.
2: <laughs> oh my god!
0: <laughs> all right, you guys, <laughs> welcome to this week's episode of the Thirteenth Floor. <laughs> I am Cece.
2: I'm, Alice. I'm James. <laughs> uh,
0: all right, you guys just got to hear what we do at the very beginning of every episode. We do something called a sync clap, where we clap our hands together. So that I can adjust our tracks if for some reason the timing gets off, so
2: mm-hmm.
0: James does not in fact have all right, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> How are you guys doing today?
1: doing <laughs> good, yeah, doing good, doing good,
0: James is feeling great,
1: yeah, I'm doing pretty good too.
0: Good,' I'm
1: satisfied as well
0: I'm you know why I'm so happy
1: well- uh. Why?
0: Just because fall is in full swing. I don't like you know what fall I mean?
1: because it comes right before winter.
0: I there's just something about it that just makes me so happy because mm. the food that is available at fall time is much more filling and it just warms my soul mm. and my heart and so I'm all about fall.
2: Mm. Mm. Hoodies and Henleys,
0: sweaters and scarves.
1: Rather have swim trunks and. Mojitos. I don't know. I don't really drink.
0: (laughs) Alex is a summer fiend, but James Uh, knows where it's at.
2: Spring's
1: good too. I just actually like spring is the worst of the four. Oh, it's fine. Flowers
2: are nice, but allergies and uh, you never know what what temperature it's going to be. Well, it's
1: fall. Fall's just dead leaves
2: falling everywhere and me getting itchy and scratchy. Yeah. And in October my voice gets raspier and deeper, so that's fun.
0: Hey. Everybody likes a man with a raspy voice, right, James? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there we go.
1: Can't wait for all the greenery to be dead and have a seasonal depression disorder, or it's called seasonal seasonal affective disorder. You just need it's to take called.
0: some vitamin D and no, suck it up.
1: Nope. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Stand yeah. outside for a minute.
0: And I'm gonna I'm gonna look
1: at the barren trees.
0: My Christmas shopping's already underway, James. Me too. I actually here. bought
1: two gifts today. Oh.
0: oh look at that. Mm. Look at that. Both of us yeah. shopping in October. Yeah, me too. Alex. <laughs> Alex's birthday. I bought,
1: I bought Gwen some Christmas presents weeks ago.
0: He did. Months <laughs> ago. Oh so, my gosh. So
1: both of you need to step your games up.
0: All right. I think it's time to move on because guess what we got to talk about? Some hearty hellos. <laughs> okay. Yes, and today, you guys, we are going to say hello to Germany. Mm. Hello to everybody in beautiful Germany. And then also, we hope you're
1: enjoying Oktoberfest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We also want to say hello to everybody in Sweden. And then here in the States, we're going to say hello to everybody in Tennessee. So, you guys, thank you for tuning in, and thank you, special thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. I hope that you guys are enjoying the October content thus far this yeah. we've had a lot of fun making it so if you guys want to see what we've been up to definitely head over to our Patreon page you should be able to find a link to it in our Instagram page right James yep okay so you guys follow us on Instagram if you don't already do so it's at 13th floor podcast that's the number one the number three th floor podcast <sighs> And you can reach out to us, James Manns, our Instagram. So if you want to talk to him, you want a direct line to the heart of this show, reach out to us on the Instas. But anyways, are you guys ready for an icebreaker? We're ready. James, what's our icebreaker? You know who could have
1: used a <laughs> Icebreaker. The Franklin Expedition last
2: week
0: Oh my gosh It's true It's true They needed it
2: <laughs> um, Yeah uh, You know it's funny Not too long ago I asked about You know your Nostalgia with regard to the internet Since we're talking about Mimetic monsters um, Like what was your What was the first experience You had If you can recall On the internet Where you were just like Scared Cause you know Like people remember The first scary movie And the first scary game What was your first scary Internet experience Oh, oh. A virus on the computer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is there anything more terrifying than your parents being like, why is the computer working? <laughs> <laughs> Where
0: did you get, Where'd you download that virus from?
1: Download all kinds of skins and stuff to put on The Sims. Really?
0: No. Yeah. I did not. Yeah, I Man, was a big Sims
1: fan back in the day. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember downloading is like, I mean... Eventually, when I got a little older, you know, LimeWire, mm-hmm. you would inevitably get a virus <laughs> from LimeWire. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I got things like that. But I was pretty savvy with backups and stuff. So I was able to solve those.
0: The Sims. The Sims did you win?
1: The Sims. Yeah. You could, like, get your characters, like, all kinds of characters.
0: I could see your parents being real angry at you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Real angry.
1: Yeah, no, I, but I don't remember anything I came across that was horrifying. I'm sure I saw a video. James, you could probably speak to it. Was there anything on Elon's world that was absolutely terrifying?
2: Ah, uh, yeah, actually, mine. Um, this was like in 2010, so it's a little late, but um, very late. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. but the uh, Majora's Masks, a haunted story. Remember that?
0: No, No. I don't want to see it though. I
2: I
1: saw it while I was trying to find a topic. The Ben thing. Funny
2: enough, but yeah, I remember this. I remember uh, like this story where you know somebody got a Majora's Mask cartridge, and it it was like you know it already had a name on the save file, which was Ben in all caps. And like when you play the game, like all these weird things would happen. It was a much darker experience than it should have been there was also there was a similar one regarding Spongebob like a lost episode that's like basically just a snuff film with like animated (laughs) clips merged throughout it those two I always think of because they're clearly nonsense but they're just creepy enough the entire narrative to like you know it's one of those things where you're like that's ridiculous and then you're like drifting off to sleep and you're like but maybe not
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm glad that I have no idea what you're talking about, James, because I scare too easily. Mine, I have two, and the first one's really stupid, but you guys know that I learned what identity theft was on Neopets. Mm. Somebody hacked my account because I clicked on something I shouldn't have clicked on, and then all of my Neopoints, I had millions of Neopoints, they were just gone, and I was devastated. And after that, I just got so scared. I'm like, Anybody can try to be me. People can like take over my account and steal from me. And I got oh. really scared of everything on the internet after that. Mm. Like I was afraid of everything. So I actually ended up curing my uh, addiction of Neopets. Cause I was like, I don't want any of this anymore. I gave away mm. all of my items to, my best friend's mom, who's addicted to neopets, and then that plot twist—that's who hacked
2: neopets. you.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It could have happened. That was a long con.
0: Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. But the uh, the video that scared me—you guys remember those videos? Where I remember there was one where it was a maze. And it said uh, that you needed to trace your finger <laughs> through
2: the page. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then as you get close to the end, the scary face pops oh, up. Yeah. That mm. that made me scared to watch any videos on the internet for at least.
2: That was really popular for a, like a two year period to just have yeah, I- yeah.
0: <laughs> they still they still come out occasionally. I, I busted
2: one out uh, a
1: couple a couple weeks ago on my Twitter feed and I got a few people. Yeah, hilarious. you got me.
0: I texted Alex a really angry so face. So funny.
1: So funny.
0: It's not cool, dude. <laughs> not
1: cool. You don't expect it anymore. No. It was so good.
0: But anyways, those those are my answers. Hmm.
1: Good
2: deal.
0: Yeah.
1: Fun fact, I also rolled somebody this year, and that was just a pleasure. Bye. Oh, my nice. gosh.
2: You know, it's exactly. funny. I, I genuinely enjoy the song again. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, it was it was a catchy song, and then it was a meme to the point that it was annoying. And now I'm like, you know what? That's a nice song. I, I, if I'm out and I hear it, I'm like, yeah. Hey, uh. <laughs> 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 well, are
0: you awesome. guys ready to hop on into this creepy, deepy topic? Yeah. yeah. All right. And this topic, the Slenderman topic, was submitted to us by Maggie. So thank you again to Maggie. Um, We kind of had to take some some liberties with it just because we could not split Slenderman across the three of us. So Mm. James came up with the idea that we could do kind of creepy memes and their origins. So Alex is going to start us off today. Who are you talking about?
1: Mine's going to be the least well-known of all of you. But it's actually going to explain something that I think most people have probably seen on the internet, but didn't know its origins. Mm. Okay, so I'm covering Zalgo. Zalgo? Zalgo. Mm. Yep, so this is a creature that is said, now there's pictures online all over the place. Of, like, people's eyes scratched out, like, blood's coming out I don't of them. Like that that. Kind of thing. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> Jay's favorite. He probably, probably Zol- hated it uh, I
2: think it's it. Zalgo text. I still Zalgo post every now yeah. and
1: then. Yeah, yeah. So, Zalgo is this creature that is said to be, um, the quote, he who waits behind the wall, which I, I love oh. that. That's a pretty cool name, me too. Um, and then he, he is also known as. Nesperdean hive mind. I don't know what any of that means.
0: Hive mind. That's from. I don't know
1: what hive mind means, but yeah. But the look of the creature is, I, I guess, pretty, pretty creepy. Depending on what you look at, if you look at the pictures of the creature, they're iffy. Now, if you look at like artist renditions, um, it's kind of this eyeless creature. Usually, it's indicated with scratched out eyes, but the creature itself is actually this more Cthulhu thing. I think it has like vectors it can work through. Um, And that's like where the scratch out things come into play. But it, the creature itself has seven mouths and it's supposed to be this like, uh, (laughs) amorphous thing. It, some some places describe it as having a lot in common with Cthulhu or other HP Lovecraft monsters. Like, its whole purpose is to like drive you insane. But, for example, he supposedly... This is the craziness that he kind of has. Um, supposedly, he holds the candle whose light is shadow and is stained with the blood of Om Dagar. I don't know what that means. James, what's what's Om Dagar?
2: Uh, it sounds like something from Lovecraft.
1: yeah. And its right hand holds a dead star. Got a little sure. less creative with the right hand than the left hand. <laughs> um, now, it, you know, it does sound pretty uh, ludicrous if you ask me. Now, what's kind of cool, though, is that uh, Zalgo, of those seven mouths, six of them speak completely different tongues. And when the seven mouth will fi- finally opens up, it's it's going to spell at the end of the world. I love Ooh. this.
2: This is like a religion. <laughs> That's
0: horrifying. Have you seen yeah, like so the
2: Zalgo comic strips?
1: Yeah. So oh I'm my gonna God. get to those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> the creature is just pretty much a floating ethereal being. It's kind of the best way to look at it. I think it kind of looks like Dormammu with a different color scheme hmm. uh, from the Marvel comics. Just like
0: a face floating in the sky.
1: Yeah, yeah
2: kind of. My favorite is yeah. the Peanuts one where uh, Schroeder is playing his little piano, and uh, Lucy's like, What are you playing? And he says, uh, Casilda song from Act One, Sing Two of The King in Yellow, which is a very Lovecraftian reference. And she goes, Oh, Jesus, no, that means. And then the next frame is like their faces fusing in a bloody mess, and uh, tentacles coming out of the piano.
0: James, no. That's James'
2: favorite, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyways, uh, Zongo even has his own text that will come across this as well. It, you know, it'll affect your soul. Yeah. The text is actually pretty crazy looking, though. Um, and, Cece, I want to show it to you really quick. Everyone can look it up online. And they'll, they'll probably, I think most people will be like, oh, I've seen that before. But I had no clue. As to what it, well, this yeah, is, yeah, I didn't know it was called cool. like Sorry, it accidentally showed CC as something else. I was looking into the expressionless, uh-huh. uh, absolutely terrifying. Um, and then, yeah, here's Zalgo. So this is the writing of Zalgo. It's very like it looks- Sanskrit looking ish almost, but then uh, I, I guess I'll go ahead and get into it. Um, so the text is pretty crazy. It. It can really throw like chats out of whack and really, really be disruptive on the internet. Uh, at a glance, I do think it looks like some kind of ridiculous language, but like maybe some ancient language or something like that. But if you actually take a look, a second to look at it, instead of some ancient alien or otherworldly language, it's actually just super chaotic string of uh, Unicode with text that has layers of characters overlapping each other. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's really neat. Now, the text has some interesting effects on where it's placed. So, first off, it blows out of the fields that it's put into, um, which is really bizarre. So, I, I was just showing CC uh, the text, and in the te- they put it into a comment field, but it's covering comments above and below it. It's, so it just gets huge. Yeah, it just gets huge, and just but but everything else is staying the same. It's just really bizarre, and how does. There's even a kid that in his yearbook he put um the he put the word hamburger as his quote, <laughs> as his like senior quote, and it blew out so big that it covered his image and the person below him's image in the yearbook.
2: Oh my
0: gosh
1: nice. <laughs> So it has some really weird effects on technology now it's capable of crashing all kinds of apps even Apple's messaging app uh, has been crashed by the the zygo text so it's a, it's a powerful tour to force <laughs> uh, Now the text even crashes uh, used to crash Gmail.
2: Mm-hmm. Every so time you crash it, something with it, he grows stronger.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh! So yeah, the text is no joke, and I, I would imagine that people who hadn't seen it before maybe might be a little creeped out about it by it, like just seeing it appear on their computer, and like I
0: not understanding
1: think, what it is.
0: I would think my computer had a virus. Is it some
1: mm-hmm. sort of virus? You, I could see someone playing so, a prank on someone with some I of I have texts. a tech
2: illiterate client, and now I want to send him like a paragraph of Zalgo. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh that'd be so but fun
1: honestly you know i i honestly though i think Zalgo, uh the text itself has had a far bigger impact on pop culture than the original Zalgo ever did if you ask me because Zalgo, is supposed to you know drive you mad drive you crazy if you see him all this other stuff mm. make you scratch your eyes out all kind of that mm. kind of stuff but this this is something that i see all the time apparently like even when uh, Bloomberg ran for office in 2020. One of his campaign ads even used text <laughs> very similar to Zalgo. Weird, and yeah, so it's it's not unusual to see it around. And its origins are the whole Zalgo like mythos actually has a pretty meek origins, especially compared to the eldritch creature that is talking about now. <laughs> Zalgo was created by this. Guy Goon Schmorky, uh, you know some people may know him from Shmorky. his work with something awful.
2: Yeah,
1: now he uploaded a bunch of alterations to a comic series, and James was kind of talking about this earlier, <laughs> where he Shmorky. had a series. The first, the original one was Nancy and Archie, and he uploaded the strip to his site, and essentially it's just some characters, it looks like a normal comic strip, except for like Zalgo's thrown in a couple times, and then the dialogue's a little odd, and then it just ends with like the character talking about Zalgo and this was in 2004 and it very slowly spread around into other web comics. Like in 2008, it reared its head again and it started having characters with not eyes scratched. I mean, they're scratched out, but not like in a bloody way, but like that they're scribbled over. Mm -hmm. And then a normal like Garfield comic would have a dark turn and Zalgo would happen and it would say Zalgo. And so, that just kept growing and growing. And like James said, it even got into peanuts. It got into all these other
0: famous all, comics, Yeah, all
1: these other famous comics and, you know, pictures, uh, started to be created of what this person looks like. Cece looked at the picture of the girl with the thing, but that's actually just an altered picture of some internet celebrity. I think Bo- boxy was what her name. Mm-hmm. Um, but finally, uh, the, uh, Scribble text made its appearance, and as far as I could tell, once that Scribble text t- showed up, it kind of took over the mythos more than Zalgo itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. But pictures are pretty creepy.
0: Zalgo, to me, the name sounds like a show that would be in a traveling circus. See? Like, come and see the amazing Zalgo. The amazing Zalgo.
1: See, I picture... Wow, I just blanked in the <laughs> middle of that. That was really bad.
0: <laughs> <sighs> well... So I'll go. Thank you, Alex, for telling us about.
2: Yeah. Look up pictures of Doc. When I think of Schmorky, I think they're that like god-awful webcomic lizard, which is like the most boring thing anyone ever created. I've never seen it. It's, I've never seen it's it, It's just dreadful. I'm sorry, Schmorky. It wasn't <laughs> personal.
1: <laughs>
0: Alright, you guys. I'm gonna go next, and I am talking about Slenderman. James gave me this topic because he said it would probably scare me the least.
2: Yep. So, I got my
0: research from TechCrunch and then HollywoodLife.com and CNN and just about everything. Yeah. (laughs) Well, just... James, just wait. But just about everything that I saw on Slenderman, like across websites, because I read several different articles, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing across all of them. And the thing is when people write about Slenderman, it's very fanciful. Mm -hmm. But... Before we drew this topic from the base, I will 100% admit that I thought that Slender Man was just a video game character. Ah.
2: Oh, really?
0: Yeah. I thought he was just a video game character. I
2: remember reading the copy pasta and being terrified, or creepy pasta, rather.
0: Yeah, he's a creepy pasta character and turned into an urban legend, and James... Just in case we have somebody who doesn't know what creepypasta is, can you explain what creepypasta is?
2: Yeah, creepypasta is a fascinating thing. It's basically the internet's. Uh, well, first let me let me talk about just the etymology of copy pasta. Copy pasta is something that is so interesting in text on the internet that people copy and paste it regularly, so it becomes a meme in and of itself. And since it's called copying and pasting, it's copy pasta. Well, creepypasta is a scary version of that. And it's replaced the campfire tale and the urban legend. Like when, when people talk about modern urban legends, most of the time it's something that circulates on the internet in a written form. So creepy pasta, it's, it's a fascinating cultural phenomenon. It's At creepy, some point yeah. there's going to be a college class about creepy pasta, like some anthropology of creepy yeah. pasta.
0: Definitely. Creepy pasta James will be the professor, you guys. Yeah. Um, so, basically, Slender Man was birthed from the mind of this guy named Eric Knudsen, spelled K-N-U-D-S-E-N.
2: Yeah, fun fact, his middle name is D's.
0: <laughs> oh, my, James. <laughs> All right. He came up with it. <laughs> on the something awful webpage that Alex actually just mentioned, he was born on... Monday, June 8th, 2009. So he's technically, Slender Man's only 12 years old. Mm. But his story first appeared in the Create Paranormal Images thread, where people were just kind of prompted to create monsters and demons and stuff, like images and stories. And Mr. Knudsen mm-hmm. photoshopped this creepy picture of a really tall, slender, creepy-looking man wearing a black suit standing next to a tree. And then there was an accompanying little caption with the picture, and it read, quote, One of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze, notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformities cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. Photo taken 1986. Photographer Mary Thomas missing since June 13th, 1986. End quote. So... It was a picture with a story. Oh. Yeah. And typically, Slender Man has a featureless face, which makes him super, super terrifying. And sometimes he has tentacles because since he's a creepypasta, people have obviously taken the story that was created by Eric. I'm going to call him Eric because James giggles every single time I say his last name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> took, uh, took the story. They embellished it and built upon it. Like they've created their own artworks. Some people have given him backstories dating back to the Middle Ages, and it's kind of like a community storytelling project if you really stop to think about it. But typically, Slendy, as many people lovingly call him these days, his main mission is stalking and making people disappear, especially children. So he's not a cool dude. But in some of the quote unquote mythology that people kind of came up with and devised around his story, Some people claim that he was trying to apparently save those that he made disappear from painful deaths by taking them to the underworld early. So was he doing them a favor? I doubt it. (laughs) And here's a very important part of the Slenderman story. Everything I found in him indicated that he does not actually kill his victims, but he encourages other people to do so. So it's kind of like he has these followers and uh, he'll be like, Oh, you know, I need yeah. you to do this. And then they're like, okay, anything for you, slender man. And then they go and do terrible things. So he's a psychological terror when you really stop to think about it, because he's not gory. He doesn't do any of the gory things. Yeah. You don't really know what happens if he takes you. So, it's just kind of like the thought that makes people so scared of him. Ooh. Yeah, I don't like it. It's scary. <laughs> um, and Eric, the creator of Slender Man, says that he pulled his inspiration for the character from a ton of different places, especially H.P. Lovecraft's work. Yeah. Stephen King, think the movie The Mist, which, oh my gosh, you guys, that movie. That movie depressed me for weeks the first time I saw it. <laughs> um. I remember. The first time I saw the movie The Mist, it was me and my friend Melissa, and we're like, oh, this is on TV, we'll just watch it. And we watched it, and then when it ended, we turned off the TV and just sat in silence probably for 30 minutes and just did not talk to one another. Wow. <laughs> yeah. A- Alex actually did a Monsters vs. Men episode on it. So. Yeah. Yay! You and Eric got into a tiff about it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very divisive movie. Gloves,
1: gloves on.
0: Anyways, Mm. Eric was also, and by Eric, I mean the creator of Slenderman, not Alex's co-host, Eric. Eric was also influenced by Zach Parsons, The Insidious Beast, Mm. some video games such as Silent Hill, and also The Rake which James is going to be talking about next. So Slendy is basically just a big old pot of creepy, creepy. Like he's got all of these different aspects from him that were taken from all of these different things. He's the
1: perfect brew.
0: It's, it's horrifying. Yeah. But as soon as I found out that he was just a story, suddenly all of the fear that I had surrounding this character, because at first I was like, Maybe he's a video game that's based off of something real. But then it's like, okay, he was literally just an idea that was posted in a forum by some guy in 2009. So I wasn't quite as scared doing my research, James. I got to do this one at night. Mm. (laughs) But I will say, when I went to go take out the recycling this evening, I did run out and run back in because I got a little bit scared. Okay. So (laughs) he, he doesn't scare me quite as much. But... There are some people that take him very seriously and think as though he is real. And in 2014, I vividly remember this when this happened because I was working in news. But in 2014, two 12-year-olds were convinced that Slender Man was real. And they thought he was communicating with them. They thought that he had threatened their families and that he could read you know, their minds. And so they decided to try to kill somebody for him as kind of like a sacrifice. And they attacked another girl who's their friend, another 12-year-old. And they stabbed this poor girl 19 times. And this really happened in Wisconsin, I think it was. Something like that. um, And, And
2: I'm very skeptical of those kinds of stories. I'm actually going to talk a little more on that. I think what happens is you have psychopathic children who do things that are really jacked up. And then they take whatever whatever happens to be controversial at the time and blame that so that they don't get in trouble.
0: Yeah. Well, the girl, the girl that they attacked, praise God, she actually survived. Yeah. Though I don't know how you could mentally recover from something like that, especially yeah. when you have your friends do it to you. Mm. But the girls who did the stabbing, they referred to the plot when interviewed by police, because they were caught almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, they referred to it as stabby, stab, stab. And they had apparently been planning the quote unquote sacrifice for over six months And so it's like they knew exactly what they were doing, but they told police that they were headed to go see slender man after they thought that they had murdered this poor girl. Fortunately, the little girl that was attacked was able to crawl to find help and she's still alive again. But the girls that committed this act were both tried as adults. One was sentenced to 20. Well, wait, one was sentenced to 25 years in a mental institute, though, as of earlier this month, a judge determined that she's not a threat to herself or anyone else. They say that she's exhausted all of her treatments. No. Uh, yeah. I was going say, I don't know about that. They, they released her as of Monday, I think, this past past week when we're recording this. And then the other girl involved Fudge. was, according to CNN, this is where CNN comes in, James, huh. um, diagnosed with schizophrenia. There we go. Shortly after the attack. And she was eventually sentenced to 40 years in a well, mental institute. That's and I'm not very sure interesting. Where
2: uh, I didn't even know it could manifest at that age. That's fascinating.
0: I don't know, but it's, uh, it's, this is not the only time that somebody has tried to attack another person and claim that slender man was the reason why because there was another woman i can't remember where she did have some um issues with her mental health but she tried to kill her mother oh. uh, for slender man so some people take it a little bit far but hmm. but Slenderman is still out and about in the internet and people are still actually talking about him to this day eric nudson is not though in 2014 he actually said that he'd stopped working on developing the character saying quote I don't spend a lot of active time on the internet, such I usually have a lot of real life stuff going on. End quote. So I'm like, okay, he's flipping
2: normies. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but one big question that I had when I was doing all of my research was like, who has copyright of Slenderman? Because it was created in this forum where people have just continuously built upon the story. Mm. So who really owns him? And I think that it is Eric Knudsen. Although I did see in Wikipedia that as of 2016, the media rights were in the hands of a production company called mythology entertainment and then i saw other things that were posted after that time saying that it was in eric's hands so
2: i'm like an internet anarchist i don't think you should be able to own a meme oh but he
1: created his own character right
2: yeah but other people it- built on it at that point it's you know it's it's like an urban legend like you can't own santa claus
1: yeah i don't know like if you create a character just because you created a character and people ran with it. It reminds me oh, it of those people
2: on DeviantArt who's like, this is my OC, do not steal. It's a purple Sonic the Hedgehog with yellow gloves. Yeah, but this is, <laughs> this is actually... <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but this is like a really original design. I it is like. original. It's awesome.
2: And and again, I think that if he put that in an art book or, or, or a form of media, like a webcomic, that'd be one thing. But when you're sharing something on the internet, I don't think I don't think the same rules should apply.
1: Okay.
2: I'm, I think, that that, I'm, I'm I think once you
1: that James, in the You better push. not
2: share anything.
0: James, mm-hmm. does that mean that you think that if you post something on Instagram that anybody could take it and post it as their own?
2: I retract my previous statement. Ooh. <laughs> 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 once it affects me, it becomes relevant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay.
2: I love the honesty. Okay. <laughs>
0: James, I'm done talking about Slenderman. Now I want to hear you talk about the
2: rake. Sure. And before I get onto the rake, you know, you talking about the the, the Man killings, uh, this this doesn't warrant its own episode. So I figured I'd talk about the moral panic surrounding Momo first. So. Okay. Everybody remembers like in 2018 or somewhere in that ballpark, there was Momo and it was this creepy flippin' sculpture of a bird-like woman with uh, visible breasts and bulging dark eyes. And, uh, it was creepy. Yeah. Very, very creepy. And what ended up happening? I mean, what, what astonishes me is that this is the first time I personally have seen a global moral panic, uh, USA, Canada, UK, Ireland, India, Luxembourg, Belgium, Iran, Pakistan, the Philippines, France, Switzerland, Indonesia, Brunei, Hong Kong, Spain, Portugal, Mexico, Colombia, Chile, Argentina, and Brazil, all have instances. Did I mention Ireland? Yeah, I did. All have instances of kids doing really horrible things, blaming Momo... And then it turning into this, like, I mean, some countries even passed laws where you weren't allowed to spread images of Momo, like national news outlets. were talking about the dangers of Momo. Um, and it was just <laughs> astonishing. Like they were saying that people were worshiping Momo and spreading pictures of Momo and then telling other kids to do things for Momo and kids would kill themselves for Momo. And uh, I mean, there's just tons, tons of instances of, Oh, kids, you know, usually in the between like 11 and 13, killing themselves or, or killing someone else and then blaming Momo. And it's just it's astonishing because, one, there is no evidence to link it to actually Momo at all. I mean, in fact, it's quite irrational to think <laughs> that this has anything to do with just a creepy image and yet it it spread like wildfire all over the world. And people were just freaked out and panicking about flipping Momo. Um, and, and people didn't even know originally where it came from because of all the misinformation. News reports were saying it was Midori Hayashi, who's a, an artist in Japan. And she's like, no, no, I didn't make this. And finally, I mean, after tons of, of false information, turns out there's a, a special effects company called Link Factory and they made it. And they actually made it out of natural rubber and plant oils, which are quite, uh, what's the word for that? They, they deteriorate over time. And so Momo doesn't actually exist anymore. The sculpture was ultimately thrown away uh, because, you know, it, it, it degraded. That's the word I was trying to think of. Um, and there's tons of like little pop culture references. There's even a film adaptation in the works because of this moral panic like I think about the United States and like dungeons and dragons and heavy metal in the seventies and eighties. And I think that affected Britain too, to a lesser extent. But what's crazy about this was the absolute hysteria and nonsensical reaction to this meme that was all over the world. That's what it astonishes everywhere. me. I, to me, it was the first global moral panic. Um, yes. the first global hoax nonsense. Um, but yeah, back back to the rake though. We're on the rake. <laughs> so I love the rake. It's what it's it, uh, we actually talked about this with uh, the That's Darker why Side James of, loves the fall so much. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um but uh, we actually talked about this when we we had a little collab with uh, the Darker Side of Life podcast. We we talked about the rake being really really creepy briefly. And Oh yeah. What I love about the rake is one, it starts with just an image, and it's a very believable image. Um, what you have is a wildlife trail cam, which it spawned a lot, like of, of other versions of that. Like you see that now, even on TV. Sometimes you'll see those like real stories of hauntings, and you'll see like wildlife cams with something creepy in the background. But what's really spooky about it is it's a wildlife cam uh, dated like. Uh, November 30th, 2010. And it's like almost two in the morning. You got trees, you got it looks very natural and normal, leaf litter. And then in the bottom right corner, in, in really the foreground, it's it's the second closest object in the picture. You have this pale humanoid being with incredibly thin arms, very disproportionately large shoulders. What appears to be hairless white skin and no clothing, and most importantly, tapetum lucidum, which we've talked about before as being a predator quality; those the eye shine, and it's just a really, really scary picture. And so, what ended up happening was in, and what I think is doubly interesting is, you know, the the actual picture is marked uh, 2010, but the story is marked. 2003, so I don't know if there have been iterations or if the original had that date. But anyway, more important, uh, 2003, there were these accounts in the Northeastern United States that there was a a strange humanoid being that uh, would always happen before a blackout. And yeah, and a lot of times it was it was focused in rural New York. And sometimes Idaho, but more relegated to the Northeastern U.S. So what, it, what ended up happening is a lot of... Uh, by the way, this is all from the copy pasta, mind you. This isn't like news. <laughs> I mean, again, we're talking about meme monsters here. Um, and, and what ended up happening is, is by 2006, people had uh, accumulated enough documents that actually bring up this this being being seen all the way back to the 12th century. And uh, spanning four continents. So here's one. A suicide note from 1964. As I prepare to take my life, I feel it necessary to assuage any guilt or pain I have introduced through this act. It is not the fault of anyone other than him. For once I awoke and felt his presence, and once I awoke and saw his form, once again I awoke and heard his voice, and I looked into his eyes. I cannot sleep without fear for what might next awake to experience. I cannot ever wake. Goodbye.
0: So that's Ooh spooky. My gosh.
2: Yeah, I mean these are really well written, um, and this one's translated from Spanish. <laughs> Again, I love creepy pasta. I have experienced <laughs> the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I see his eyes when I close mine. They are hollow black. They saw me and pierced me. His wet hand, I will not sleep. His voice in an unintelligible Hmm. text. So uh, this is where we finally get the name, though. Mariner's Log, 1691. He came to me in my sleep. From the foot of my bed, I felt a sensation. He took everything. We must return to England. We shall not return here at the request of the rake. So Ooh. there's a bunch of these uh and they're all <sighs> creepy and they're all spooky and they're just wonderful and I love the fact that this is creepy pasta. Um it's one of the, <laughs> the early ones too like that uh, influenced so many others including as you mentioned CC Slenderman. Um and I think it's interesting that it's called the rake one that, that's a scary name but the fact that it goes really far into the past you know a rake, because it doesn't have like a rake-like hand in most iterations. There's there's a few variations where I've seen that. But, you know, a rake, if you look at like medieval um, literature, that's sort of like a, a, a man who's no good, like a ne'er-do-well, you know, a scallywag. Um, mm. And so I kind of think about that because a lot of these, you know, quote-unquote letters go back, you know, To a time where that was a common thing. And so I don't really know why they chose that name, but I just I, I I think of that association in addition to you know the fact that raking is a an act of scraping. So I just I thought that was interesting. I really love that story because you know that creepy picture coupled with those creepy stories, uh, you know, it's just It really is the modern equivalent to the campfire story. Like, this is something you could totally believe being told around campfires in the 20th and before centuries. And now it's what people do on the internet. And I just, I I love that.
0: James likes the community aspect of it. Yeah. Hmm. James also really likes scary, scary stories. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Oof. I see, I I'm the opposite of you, James. I, I don't know. like scary stories. I don't <laughs> well, go looking for them. Did you have any favorite scary stories from when you were little? Because I remember those uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. Books. I
2: was gonna say that. That's what yeah. Oh man. Um I was actually inconsolable as a child over I, I don't actually remember all the details, but my grandmother, she lived with us. And when I was little, like three or four, she told me some story about a ghost, a ghost dog, a white dog that was killed by a hunter or something. And it came back and, and you know, bloody paw prints were seen through the house and, and, you know, it got him. But I mean, one, I was way too young to hear that story. And two, I mean, who t- I just I do remember that. I remember being completely traumatized by this story.
0: I remember there was, I'm not sure if this was in the, I think it was in the scary stories, but there's one story about this girl who's driving somewhere and there's somebody in the car behind her Uh, and people keep flashing the lights, their lights, because they see the person in the seat behind her. That story messed me up for a while. And sometimes I still occasionally think about it when I'm driving and it's like, I'll have to pull over and kind of take a look in my back seat to make sure Uh, nobody's back there.
1: Yeah, that's a spooky story. Yeah, that's a good story. That's the one I was thinking of. Was that
2: yeah,
0: one. that one, and then the one with the girl who had the ribbon around her neck, and
2: not replacing her, that one.
0: Her, she had a ribbon that she wore around her neck. She would not let anyone take it off. And then when they take it off, it it comes to light that I think that her head was actually just tied on with that uh, ribbon. Yeah,
1: her head fall off.
0: Oh, You guys, if you haven't read those books That was one thing that I did like I guess maybe I was braver when I was little Because I used to read (laughs) those It it might also be why I'm scarred From all the scary things I don't know Hmm. Definitely check it out if you've never read them Because they will frighten you to pieces Which is perfect since Halloween is like Right around the corner you guys Exactly Yeah, we're like what? um, Three weeks away?
2: Something like that Mm Hmm.
0: You guys, happy almost Halloween! Yeah. I think that's all that I have. Is there anything that you guys want to add before we bid all of our lovely listeners farewell?
1: James, anything? No. Anything? And
0: uh, I, you struggle
1: know what? Text.
0: No, I have a question for James because <laughs> I know that James is going to be able to answer this. James, why do people like listening to scary <laughs> stories?
2: Ah, yeah. Well, one, there's a catharsis to it. You know, we, we don't really have to worry as much about immediate threats nowadays. Instead, we have to worry about more existential issues. And it's sort of a way of working through that because, you know, you can't gasp and experience that sudden influx of uh, adrenaline Coupled with that, that subsequent dose of neutralizing serotonin uh, that you would normally get from running from a real physical threat, from you know the day to day stresses of our lives, so it's kind of a way of coping with that. That's my theory, at least.
0: Hmm, that's a good theory, James. I, it's better than my theory because I don't have any. I'm not huh. sure. No I just think people who like scary things are crazy. <laughs> James, I think you're crazy. No worries. <laughs> Anyways, I think that's all that we have Alex who does our music oh wait no 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 Before, oh, we've
1: got yeah. oh, wow. to
0: draw an episode
1: Ooh, that could have been bad
0: draw 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 alright what are we talking about next week okay you guys next week we are talking about Manchurian candidates Ooh. yeah and this topic was submitted by Charlie L so Charlie thank you for submitting this I guess next week we're talking about brainwashing, you guys. Nice. Oh, sure. okay. Well, Alex already told you who did our music, so. No, I
1: didn't. Oh, wait, Our no. music is by Grant Cook. You can find <laughs> on Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. Oh, my goodness. Anywhere you listen to music. Yeah.
0: Wow. All right, you guys. Well, until next week, we hope that you can. Keep it straight. Yeah.
2: This is my OC, do not steal. It's a purple Sonic the Hedgehog with yellow gloves.